available after the service. They're $18 a piece. And listen, hey, I'm going to make you a blue light special. If you buy two of them, we'll let you have them for 40 all right? Three for 60 man, I mean, it is a bargain. Amen. Get your Grace Place t-shirts. Actually, they are $18 a piece. And next Sunday morning, we want everybody to have a, a t-shirt on. We want everybody to have one. I want you to wear it next Sunday morning uh, as we have our ministry fair and we conclude our three-part series on Join the Team. Father, thank you for the opportunity that we have this morning, Lord, to, uh, uh, to share the word of the Lord. God, I just pray that your anointing, Lord, will rest upon the message and upon the messenger, Lord, today. God, I just pray, Lord, that you'll give us ears on our heart today. Help us to receive the word. God, I pray, Lord, that people, Lord, will be called to join the team today. They will respond, Father, for your glory. All in the name of Jesus, we pray. All of God's people said, praise the Lord. Well, this morning we're going to continue in our three-part series that we started last week entitled, Join the team. You see, you and I this morning, we at New Bethel, soon to become the grace place, we are a team. We're a team. You see, we understand that individually we can do very little. I, I can't do a whole lot by myself. And, and you might be a superstar, but for most of you this morning, you can do very little on your own as well. And yet, together as a team, we can literally do the impossible. What I want you to understand this morning is that within our team, there are many other teams. Teams like the CARE ministry. Uh, teams like the Caleb's ministry. Te teams like Royal Rangers, uh, Impact Girls, Youth Ministry, Women's Ministry, uh, Ushers and Greeters, and Sunday Morning Kids Ministry, and well, the list keeps going on and on and on. I also believe that once we get into the grace place, as time goes on, we will also see some new ministry teams born. Well, as Pastor Steve has already said, next, next Sunday morning, we are going to showcase some of our ministries. And each ministry is going to have a table, or they're going to have a display, and you will be invited to visit each ministry table. Now, at these tables, there will be a sign-up sheet or some type of form for you to fill out if you have interest in one or more of these ministries. See, we're trying to get some more people on every one of our individual teams. Now, I want to be clear this morning. Now, we're, we're not asking you necessarily next Sunday morning to commit to a ministry. We're, well, we're not asking to draw blood from you and raise your right hand and, and, and promise and swear and, and all of that. We're not asking that of you. We're not asking for a commitment from you next Sunday morning, but what we are asking you to do uh, is, to, is just simply to fill out a form that says, I am interested in this ministry. I'm interested in knowing more about this specific ministry. Uh, I, I'm I'm interested in knowing what it is they're going to ask of me if I do join. So see, be very, very, let me be very clear this morning. We're not necessarily asking for a commitment next Sunday, simply to find out those that are interested in each one of these individual ministries. Well, well, this morning I want to talk to you about how Jesus built his team. We're, well, we're talking about join the team. So I, I think it would be good if we would, if we would look at the ministry of Jesus and see how that he built his team. How, how many of you agree that doing something the way that Jesus did it is probably a pretty good idea? 
Well, you know, as I studied the life of Jesus this week, and especially as it pertains to how he built his team of 12 disciples, I discovered five things that Jesus did. Five things that Jesus did in the process of building his team. The first thing that I noticed was, and the first thing that Jesus did as he built his team was, he invited them. He invited them. And let me remind you that there are fill in the note blanks on the back of your bulletin this morning. I want you to notice the first thing that Jesus did in building his team. First of all, he invited them. Look at Matthew chapter number 4 and verse number 18. Matthew 4 verse 18 says, And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And the Bible says that they immediately left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, Jesus saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother. In the boat with Zebedee, their father, they were mending their nets. And he called them, and immediately they left the boat and their father, And followed him. And then in Matthew chapter 9 and verse 9, it says, And and Jesus passed on from there. And he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax office. And Jesus said to him, Follow me. So he arose and followed him. What was the first thing that Jesus did in the process of, of building his team? He invited them. He invited, see, notice Jesus didn't just sit around and wait for team members to come to him and ask if they could join. He, he, and he didn't just pray to his father, oh God, you know how bad I need team members, God, I'm so tired and I need so much help. He didn't do that. He, he didn't do that. He didn't just sit around and wait for people to come to him. He didn't just, j- just pray to the Father and ask the Father to send him some team members. No, the Bible says that Jesus went out in search of team members. He went out looking for them. He went out searching for them. He went to where the people were, and he invited them to join his team. Now, here's what I've learned. I haven't learned a lot of things, but I've learned a few things. And one of the things that I have learned, and that is that very few people will volunteer. I've never had a long line of people waiting to go to work. Uh, Very few people will volunteer. Very few people will, will, will come up to you and ask you, Hey, man, I'm seeing what you're doing, man. Could I help, man? Man, could I be on your team? I'd really like to be on your team, man. Is there room on your team for me? Very few people will do that. Sheldon, will that ever happen? And yet I believe that there are some quality people who would say yes if you simply invited them to be on your team. Now, let me make a disclosure here. Are you ready for the disclosure? Now, listen up. If you are a ministry leader, don't ask anyone to be on your team until you have run their name by me or my wife. Only when you get the okay, only when you get the green light do you go after them. You see, we might know something that nobody else knows. 
We might know something that we're not able to disclose. But the thing that we know that nobody else knows, that thing disqualifies that person from that particular ministry. It's not that we're wanting to micromanage. I don't like micromanaging. It's not that we're the power people around here. It's not that at all. See, the fact is, it would be better not to ask that person than for you to ask them and then for me to have to disqualify that person. That can get a little sticky. Unasking's harder than asking. So before you go after someone for your ministry, run their name by me or my wife first. And this is to save embarrassment for everybody. And then once we give you the green light, then you go get them. What was the first thing Jesus did when he built his ministry team? He invited them. Think about this this morning. When you invite someone to join your team, you've got a 50-50 chance that they'll say yes. Hey, the Bible says you have not because you ask not. All right, notice the second thing that Jesus did in building his team. The second thing that he did, and man, this is big. Are you ready for this one? Turn to your neighbor and say, this is a big one. He inspired them. He inspired them. Matthew chapter 8, uh, verse 23 through 27. The Bible says, now when Jesus got into a boat, his disciples followed him. And suddenly a great tempest arose on the sea, so that the boat was covered with the waves. And he was asleep. His disciples came to him and awoke him and said, Lord, save us, we're perishing. But he said to them, why are you so fearful, O oh, you of little faith? And then he arose and he rebuked the wind and he said to the sea, Peace be still, and there was a great calm. And so the men marveled, notice the men marveled, and they said, who can this be that even the winds and the sea obey him? He inspired them. Look over in Matthew chapter 21. Matthew chapter 21. Uh, verse 18 um, through 20. It says, Now in the morning, as Jesus returned to the city, he was hungry. And seeing a fig tree by the road, Jesus came to it, and he found there was nothing on it but leaves. And Jesus said to it, Let no fruit grow on you ever again. Immediately the fig tree withered away. And when the disciples saw it, they marveled, saying, how did the fig tree wither away so soon? How did Jesus build his team? He inspired them. Listen, listen up, ministry leaders. I want to talk to you for just a minute this morning. Listen, listen, listen up, ministry leaders. If you're having a problem getting volunteers, if the volunteers that you do have aren't doing a very good job, Perhaps the problem is a lack of inspiration on the part of a leader. Ouch. Turn to your neighbor and say, ouch. Hey, according to John Maxwell, everything rises and falls on leadership. How much? I ask you this morning, who wants to follow a, an uninspiring leader? 
Hey, if the leader isn't excited about the ministry, how in the world do you expect the followers to be excited? You see, the things that Jesus said, the things that Jesus did, uh, the way that Jesus went about his ministry inspired others to follow him. Jesus was so inspiring that the Bible says that his disciples marveled at him and, and they said to one another, who is this guy anyway? In Matthew chapter 14, Jesus so inspired Peter that Peter literally got up out of the boat that he was sitting in and literally walked out onto the water, out to where Jesus was. Let me ask you, ministry leader, how inspiring are you? How inspiring are you? Are you? Can people see how excited uh, that, that, that you are about your ministry? Or, or do all you ever talk about is how hard ministry is? Oh, it's just so hard. Years ago, I got invited to join a bunch of ministers for coffee every week. And I went a couple times. But that's, I could only stand it for about two times. Because all they wanted to talk about was how bad the deacons were. All they wanted to talk about was how hard it was to raise the money of the church. All they wanted to talk about was, sister, better than you. And they spent an hour, two hours, just talking how bad it was to be a pastor and how hard it was to be in ministry. I didn't want any part of that. Can people see how excited you are about your ministry? Or are you always talking about how hard your ministry is? Let me ask you this, ministry leader. How do you try and recruit people in your ministry? Do, do, do you go about it in a negative way? Or in a positive way? Do you say like, uh, well, if we don't get some more help in this ministry, we're going to have to shut her down. Well, that won't work. Because <laughs> nobody wants to get on board of a sinking ship. The way to get people to want to join your team is to inspire them. Do your ministry with joy. Don't talk about all of the defeats. Talk about the victories. Give testimonials of lives that have been changed and lives that have been impacted through your ministry. Talk about the potential in your ministry. Wow, our ministry is awesome and it's incredible, but oh, oh, I can just envision this happening or that happening or something else. Oh, get a vision for it. Amen. Get it and inspire somebody to want to be on your team. Jesus drew people to him through inspiration. The word out on Jesus was, wow. Wow. No man has ever spake like this man. That's what they said about Jesus. They said, wow. We've never seen anything in all of our life. We've never seen anything quite like this. When I founded Harvest Time Church in Midland, 
in the 10 years that I served as founding pastor there, no less than a dozen youth went into ministry out of those 10 years of our ministry there. The father of one of the youth who went into full-time ministry said to me one Sunday after church, he said, Pastor, he said, you have made the full-time ministry look appealing. That's what he said. He said, the way you go about your ministry, you make the ministry look appealing. And he said, Pastor, because of the fact that you make the ministry look appealing, because of that, he said, many of our young people are answering the call to ministry. I'm not trying to brag on myself or make myself look good. I'm just giving you an illustration. I'm just simply telling you this morning, the way to build a team, the way to attract followers is to inspire them. How did Jesus build his team? Well, the third thing he did, he instructed them. He instructed them. Mark chapter 3, verse 13 and 14. And Jesus went up into the mountain and he called to him those he himself wanted. And they came to him. Then he appointed 12 that they might be with him. I want you to notice the phrase, he appointed the twelve, but notice the appointment. The appointment was that they might be with him. That's the appointment, that they might be with him. You see, Jesus poured his life into the team of his 12 disciples. Read the New Testament. You'll find there were times when Jesus would leave the multitude, send them away. (laughs) We're trying to get the multitude. And Jesus is sending them home. We think the winner is the one that has the biggest multitude. Jesus sent them home so he could be with the 12. Amen? Amen. They would leave them. They would sneak away so he could be alone to teach them. Because you see, Jesus knew that that he would only be on earth for a very short time. He, He knew that his earthly ministry, that time would be very short. And so he knew that he must impart his heart into his team so that they could carry on his ministry once he was gone. Jesus always looked for teaching moments to use as a tool of instruction. He had a class and he taught them seminars and classes, but he was always looking for little, little windows of, of opportunity, little times, little, little teaching moments. To use in instructing the twelve. If you're a ministry leader, let me tell you, you really, when you have a meeting, you really ought to have three meetings. First of all, you have the meeting before the meeting. And the meeting before the meeting is to talk about what you're going to talk about in the meeting. And then you should have the meeting and make it official. 
And then you should have the meeting after the meeting. See, Jesus always held the meeting after the meeting. Once the crowd was gone, he would go into detail to the twelve what he had taught in general to the multitude. Leaders of teams must be constantly instructing their team. Now, I do leadership lessons with my board. I do leadership lessons with my staff. Now, they've slowed down lately because of the building next door. I kind of have my plate full right now. Still have little windows of mentoring and windows of opportunity. I do one-on-one mentoring with those on my team who are interested in one-on-one mentoring with me. Pastor Steve is one that I am mentoring. Everything good about Pastor Steve, he's learned from me. Just kidding. Now, right now, we do mostly teaching moments. And we have those quite often. Had one just the other day. And I just had a little teaching moment with him and said, I just did this, this, and this, and it was not the right thing to do. (laughs) Right? So when you become pastor, don't do what I just did. One day, a few years ago, I had a funeral to conduct. Someone that was not in our church, so our church was not involved, but I was asked to do the funeral. So I asked Pastor Steve if he'd like to have a little one-on-one, hands-on mentoring about how to, how to conduct a funeral from the pastor's point of view. He's always wanting to learn, and he said, yes, sir. And so he came along. And so we're driving to the funeral, and I'm instructing him on the do's and the don'ts of the funeral. I'm telling him where he needs to stand before, during, and after the funeral. I'm telling him what he needs to say. I'm telling him when he needs to say it. I'm telling him what to do. I'm telling him what not to do. And and when I'm getting so involved in my mentoring that I miss my turn. And we're way up in North Arlington, somewhere up there, somewhere I, and this was a few years ago. I'd never been up there before. And we were lost. And it's just about time for the funeral. And I'm the preacher. And so Steve gets on his phone, gets the GPS and gets it going. And we finally find it. And we're five minutes late. I've never been late for a funeral in my life. We're five minutes late for the funeral. No time to meet with the family. I mean, it's kind of like, there's the preacher, Choom, push him on the platform. I'm usually pretty calm, cool, and collected at funerals, but I'm frazzled, man. I'm, you know, I'm frazzled. I have no time to get my thoughts together, my mind together, nothing, nothing. I'm thinking about I'm late for the funeral and all this stuff, and blah, blah, blah. And so I bumble and I stumble through the entire funeral on the way back to the church. I said, Pastor Steve. I have just demonstrated to you everything you should never do at a funeral. We're talking about how Jesus built his team. Notice the next thing that Jesus did. The next thing he did was he involved them. 
He involved them. Look in, in Matthew chapter 10. Matthew chapter 10, verse 5 through 8. The Bible said these 12 disciples, these 12, Jesus sent out and he told them, and he said, do, do not go into the way of the Gentiles and do not enter a city of the Samaritans. But go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And Jesus said, and as you go preach, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And heal the sick and cleanse the lepers and raise the dead and cast out demons. Freely you have received, so freely give. Jesus didn't do all of the ministry. Rather, he involved his team. In ministry. One thing I like about Pastor Braden, I have to think really hard, but there's one thing I like about him. One thing I like about Pastor Braden is he involves his team in the ministry. It's not the Braden Dalrymple show. Go to some churches. He uses other people to lead. He, he doesn't hog the microphone. As incredible of a singer as he is, and I'll go on record to say that he is an incredible singer. But as incredible a singer as he is, he knows that he's not the only one on stage that can sing. Let me give you a little tip. You are more effective when you don't do it all. Your talents are more appreciated when it's not you 100% of the time. So if you're a ministry leader, involve your team in in ministry. And, And not just the grunt work. Not just fetching and toting. But give them some exposure. Share the mic. Now let me qualify this. Ready for the qualifier? Make sure they are ready. And capable. We don't give everybody the mic. And you shouldn't either. Make sure they're ready. Make sure they're capable. Set them up for success, not failure. How did Jesus build his team? He involved them. When Jesus fed the 5,000 families with the little boy's lunch in John chapter 6, I want you to notice that Jesus involved his team in the process of the miracle. The Bible says that Jesus, first of all, he had the disciples go out and divide the people up into groups of fifties and hundreds. But he didn't just have them just doing the grunt work and the ushering and all of that. But I want you to notice that when Jesus took the bread and he took the fish and after he had prayed over the bread and the fish, but I want you to notice that Jesus did not break off the bread and the fish and give it to the people. Jesus did not give the bread and the fish to the people. He gave the bread and the fish to the disciples. And had the disciples give the bread and the fish to the people. Here's what I, the way I see it. If you sit another way, just keep quiet. 
You can correct it at your next Sunday morning sermon. Here's the way I see it, because there's 5,000 families there, 15, 20,000 people. If Jesus, if they help, you know how, can you imagine the line would have been? If Jesus would have broke the bread and the fish off to 5,000 families all by himself, he'd still be doing it. Logistically, it's not possible. Here's what I believe happened. I believe what happened was that Jesus took the bread and the fish and he prayed over the bread and the fish and he lined up the 12 disciples and as the 12 disciples came back, came by, Jesus broke off the bread and he broke off the fish and he gave it to the disciples and then the disciples went out to where the people were and they also broke off the bread and broke off the fish and just as it multiplied for Jesus when he took the bread and fish and multiplied it to the disciples, it continued to multiply as the people or as the disciples began to take it to the people and give it to the people. I don't know how far this went because it was a took a lot of time to get it done. I, there might have been some leaders in the groups of fifties and hundreds that once they got it, they were able to break off the bread and break off the fish, and it just kept multiplying and it got the job done. But it's significant that Jesus didn't do it all. There's a principle here, and the principle is that the work of the Lord is done through the hands of the people. You see, when God wants to speak, He doesn't normally speak audibly. I'm not saying God can't. I've never heard His audible voice. Some say they've heard it. But when, normally when God wants to speak, He doesn't speak audibly, but, but He usually speaks through, through, the pers- through, through the voice of some person. And when God wants to touch someone, He doesn't normally uh, reach His hand down and physically touch somebody. But when He wants to touch somebody, He usually, usually uses somebody's hands to touch through. And when he wants to provide, he doesn't bring manna anymore. He doesn't send ravens anymore. But he uses the people. How did Jesus build his team? He involved them. He conducted hands-on training seminars. Listen, if Jesus built his team like this, maybe we ought to build our teams like this. Paul did. Paul did. Paul said to his team, he said, Hey, guys, hey, you follow me as I Follow Christ. Paul was saying, don't just do as I say, but do as I do. So hear me, ministry leaders. Don't just give verbal instruction to your team. Don't just teach them theory. No, no. Get your hands dirty with them. Say to them, do it this way. And then demonstrate to them how you do it. Notice the last thing that I see Jesus did in building his team. The fifth thing that I see that Jesus did in building his team is... He inducted them, inducted them in John chapter 20. John chapter 20, verse 19 through 21. The Bible says the same day at evening being the first day of the week. When the doors were shut where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews. Jesus came and he stood in the midst and he said to them, peace be still or peace be with you. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Remember, this is after.
takes teamwork to get this job done. See, that was a trick. That was set up. All right, John chapter 20, verse 19 through 21. All right, Jesus said, peace be with you. Verse 20. Then he, when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. And then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. But verse 21 says, so Jesus said to them again, peace to you. And Jesus said to them, as the Father has sent me, so send I you. See, the time comes in the life of every leader to turn the ministry over to somebody else. Somebody said true success produces a successor. True success produces a successor. See, Jesus had handpicked his disciples. He had invited them to join his team. And then after they had joined his team, he spent the next three years mentoring them, giving them hands-on ministry. And once he had mentored them, then he entrusted his ministry to his teammates that he had trained. Let me ask you, ministry leader, What would happen to your ministry if something happened to you? Are you training your replacement? Are you pouring your life into your team so they can at least keep the ministry going until your replacement can be chosen and put in place whenever that time comes? Let me ask you, will will your ministry die when you die? Or will it live on through those you have mentored? You, you see, if the, if the ministry falls apart when you aren't there, that is not a sign of how important you are. That is a sign that you have not trained your team. Ouch. If the ministry functions as well without you as it does with you, that's not a sign that you're not important. That's a sign that you've done your job. You've done your job of training your team. Jesus trained his successors. Pastor Houston and Allison have announced their retirement from the Caleb's ministry. Now, this past Tuesday, our new interim leaders, Johnny and Linda Showalter, had their first Caleb's ministry as the new Caleb's interim directors. And guess what? Caleb's ministry didn't fall apart when the McDaniels retired. Why? Because they spent nine years building this into an incredible ministry. They poured their lives into the people of the Caleb's ministry and the people in the Caleb's ministry, they love it so much 
They're willing to pick up the slack. And work harder. See, they took it for granted because they had such incredible leaders and hard workers. But they, they love that ministry so much that they're willing to pick up the slack and work harder to keep this wonderful ministry to our seniors alive and flourishing. Before Jesus handed his ministry off to his disciples, he did one last thing to set them up for success. Look with me in the book of Luke chapter 24, and we're finished this morning. Luke chapter 24. Verse 49 through 53. Jesus said to his disciples, he said, Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you. But tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. And Jesus led them out as far as Bethany. And he lifted up his hands and he blessed them. And it came to pass while he blessed them that he was parted from them and carried up into heaven. And they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple praising and blessing God. Notice what Jesus did for his team before he left this earth. First of all, he told them to go to Jerusalem, go to the upper room and wait for the promise of the Holy Spirit to wait until they are endued with power from on high. And the Bible says that Jesus led them just as far as he possibly could. He was their leader until the final second. He never stopped leading them as long as it was humanly possible. Pastor Braden, could you just come by yourself, please, on the keyboard, please? And right before he left them, the very last thing Jesus did was bless them. The very last thing Jesus did was he put his stamp of approval on his team. He reached out his hands toward them and he blessed them and he, and he blessed their ministry and he transferred the ministry from him team would you stand with me this morning everyone standing please the deacons can go ahead and go over to the grace place and get it opened up and get it ready the people will be over in just a couple of moments if you're a ministry leader this morning build your team like Jesus built his team Invite people to join your team. Don't, don't just sit around and bemoan the fact that you don't have enough help. Oh, if I just had more help. No. Don't get your eye on somebody. But before you go after them, come to me or Sister Pastor. Make sure we put our stamp of approval on that person for that particular ministry. And then once we give you the green light, then you go after them. Don't, don't go after them like the video guy did, please. <laughs> but go after them. Invite people to be on your team. Number two, inspire them to want to be on your team. Make your ministry appealing. Now, 
Now, it's not anybody in our church, but I pastored several churches in 41 years, and there's some ministry teams I wouldn't want to be on. Some ministry leaders I would not want to follow. Be excited about your ministry. Serve with joy. Yeah, there's frustrations. Yeah, there's hardships. Yeah, there's struggle. Yeah, there's difficulty. And sometimes we need to vent, but get with the right person to vent with. But portray your ministry as an incredible ministry. If you can't do that, you shouldn't be on your have your ministry. Inspire them. Make people desire. Man, I'd like to be on be on their team, man. Why? And instruct them. Tell, tell them what you expect out of them. Tell them what you want them to do. And tell them how to do it. Instruct them. But don't stop there. Number four, involve them. Show them. Don't just tell them. Tell them. And then show them. This is how you do it. Take them by the hand and show them how to do it. Give them hands-on training. And then when the time comes, induct them. Turn all or part. The time may never come for well, it will come to all of us, but but more often than not, it's not that we turn all of it over to them, we turn part of it over to. See, there's things that I don't do anymore as a pastor because I have, the church is getting too big for me to do those things. And so I have other people that do those things. And they go in my name. And when they show up, it's like I've shown up. But I have so much pastor in me that it's really hard. It's really hard. I feel like I'm a scum or a bum or a, a low life or a lazy because I'm not there. I can't be everywhere. Well, why can't I be? For most of us, it's not that we turn loose of the whole ministry. We just turn loose of parts of the ministry. Amen? And the bigger your team gets, the more you're going to have to turn loose and the more you're going to have to induct people. This is your, this is your portfolio. This is your job. This is your part. It's what I need you to do every week. I need you to be doing this so I can be doing this. It's not so I won't do anything. No, it's so I can do something else. Do this only. Say only. Only after you have thoroughly inspired them, instructed them, and involved them. I'm done this morning with this. If you're already on a, on a ministry team, if you are already on a ministry team, go to your leader and say, Hey, leader, how about some more training? How about some more training? If you're already on a ministry team, how about this? How about you go to your leader and say, I'm ready to step up and become a better team member. How about going to your leader and say, how can I be a better 
And if you're not involved in a ministry, will you join a team? Will you you're 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 on the you're on our team because you're here this morning, but we have many teams within the team. And we need you that are just on the team to join some of the ministry teams that are within the team. Will you join a team? Next Sunday, we're going to have a ministry fair. We're going to showcase our ministries. You're going to be given an opportunity to show your interest in one or more of these ministries. Please do not miss next Sunday. Father, I thank you for this word today. Thank you, dear God, for what you're doing at New Bethel, soon to become the grace place. Lord, there's momentum that is building. In every area of the church, momentum is building. Excitement is building. God, this is the year of preparation. Help us to use this entire year to get ready and prepared. So that when you send the people, we will be ready. We will be prepared. We'll be able to minister to those that you send to us at the Grace Place. Bless our individual team leaders. God, oh, help them to have a passion, just to burn with passion for their ministry. Help them to take the initiative in building their team. God, I pray that you will call individuals according unto their gifts and their talents and their abilities. You will call them to their individual team. All for your glory, all for your honor. In Jesus' name. Amen, amen. Let me remind you, you can still get your Grace Place t-shirt. They're $18 a piece in the foyer. Let me remind you that the deacons are over at the Grace Place, ready to take you through this morning. And so, go have a great tour. Remember, it's still a work in process and progress. We love you. God bless you. Amen. Join the team. Not everybody needs to do this, but if we could have several people to drive their cars over there so that we'll open up. I've already asked a lot of people to do that.